I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to the second hour of the program today, hour number two, the final one for another week. And it's always a pleasure to have you with us, Tim Hughes, along with Russ Smith from Sky Call. Yeah, good morning. Did you say you just sent a new phone down to. Uh, Bob Grove. Yeah, I sent, I hope, a phone that works better. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sometimes I don't know whether it's the phone or the operator. He handed the other phone off to me, so remind me, Good. I need to get that back to you. Uh, but he's going to be on the road this week. That's why I asked. Ah, okay. uh, he was going to try and see if he gets a break anyway with one of his tours he's involved with. And if so, he'll be, he'll be joining us along with uh, Mark Wade coming up in a few minutes. We're going to talk, and you'll love this, Navinowskis. We're going to talk uh, road tripping with some um, things to see if you're out supporting your favorite college football team. How's that for a conversation? Huh? Awesome. <laughs> uh, what are we? As we sit here today, we are one week away from uh, uh, the Utes and uh, the Gators. That's going to be a great football game. Seven days and four hours. Yeah. But not when we're airing, but we're taping. Any, not that anybody's counting. And uh, Cougar fans, you're only nine days away from the beginning of Big 12 action, and uh, a year from now, we'll be all be involved in the Big 12 conference, which is a little weird to even talk about. Anyway, we'll have more on that coming up uh, with Mark in just a few minutes. Maybe Bob will jump in and join us. I'm still hopeful that we get uh, connected with Christine up at Deer Valley Resort on that big announcement today. They're actually going to double, in case you missed this last half hour or last hour, they're going to double their skiable acres up there with expansion that will roll out in phases. But the announcement came today, so we'll try and get more details. Roger Eggett hopefully will also be able to connect with us from Bear River Lodge and Tracks Power Sports, and that's the way we'll wrap up the program for this week. Uh, Navi, let's talk some more fishing here. We've got our sport fish coordinator for the Division of Wildlife Resources, Randy Opplinger, back with us. Randy, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Tim. I, you know, I guess I should never be surprised that these conversations come up on a regular basis, but it sounds like we've had more incidences of uh, invasive species or certainly the wrong fish going into the wrong place these days from bucket biologists. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. You know, we kind of during summer months get out, take advantage of the nice weather, and we go out and do our sampling to monitor our fish populations and see how our fish are doing. And this year we've got a few instances across the state where we found some fish that just aren't supposed to be in those waters. So specifically we found green sunfish in Yearns Reservoir. We found smallmouth bass in Settlement Canyon Reservoir. We found redside shiner in Paragona Reservoir and largemouth bass in Newcastle Reservoir. Boy, and let, wow. Yeah, can you believe that, Nami? Wow, that's awful. Yeah, and unless you catch somebody in the act, I don't know how you would ever prosecute, but you could be prosecuted for doing this with a, a Class A misdemeanor. Yeah, no, that's absolutely correct. You know, it, it's under state code, there's a Class A misdemeanor if you're caught doing this, so it's flat out illegal. 
to perform bucket biology and take fish from one water body to another water body. And I'll throw in there, I mean, these are all, I guess, either sport fish species or in the case of red side shiner, they are a native fish that's around the state. But, you know, we maybe didn't find so many cases this year, but there's other instances where we find aquarium fish across the state, goldfish, for example, and other fish from tropical parts of the world that just don't belong here in Utah. And that's, that's illegal, too, releasing your aquarium fish. Hey, um, about the red shiner, is that used as a bait? Does somebody have, like, a live minnow they were trying to – is that why that was introduced? That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a hard thing to kind of guess there. I think probably red side shiner are a native species in the state. They're certainly not found available in stores, I don't think, widely. So I think there's a good chance that probably somebody did exactly what you just said. They went somewhere with red side shiner, caught some, and then took them to Paragona and tried to use them as bait. But it's one of the reasons why in the uh, rules and regs there are strict rules against transporting live fish because whether you do it accidentally or intentionally, that would be prevented if you can't take live fish from one place to the next. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, we're trying to prevent that from happening. Uh, we don't want to see these illegal fish introductions across the state because these fish oftentimes can prey on or compete with other fish species that we've got in those waters. and. Sometimes they can introduce disease into those waters. And, you know, quite frankly, when we see these fish get introduced, it usually doesn't make the fishery better. It usually makes the fishery worse. So, yeah. you know, we're trying to avoid that from happening. I, I raised the question about how you would ever catch anybody doing this unless you caught them in the act. To your knowledge, have you ever had conversation with somebody on why they did this? You know, to be honest with you, to my knowledge, we are aware of exactly one case where we caught somebody in the act of doing it, and I, I, I don't know when that happened. It was a fairly long time ago. But, you know, it, it's something, though, that we raise this out here as a public awareness thing. You know, we, we want to tell people who are tempted to do this not to do this, but at the same time, you know, if, if you're out fishing and you see somebody doing this, it would be good to get the law enforcement involved and you know, maybe that gives us a better chance of catching this because, you know, honestly, we see a handful of these instances every year where we see illegal fish introductions happen. We find the after effect when we go out and sample fish and find things that don't belong. But, you know, it'd be nice to catch a few more people and having the public have their eyes out there and call law enforcement when they see something happening would be a great help to us. Yeah. And please don't misunderstand why I asked the question. I didn't ask it because I want people to think they can get away with it. I asked it because I'm truly curious about what the mindset is for somebody that does that. Uh, I mean, I've heard of stories, and Navi, we've shared with them on the, uh, these on the show before, people who take a goldfish, I mean, like Nemo, from, from, the aqua- right. from the aquarium, and they just want to give them a better life and more room to roam. Uh, so I know that happens from time to time. Yeah, yeah but think, kind of, in the case kind of, of, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, in the case of sport fish, you know, when you see green sunfish or largemouth bass moving around, I, I think the mindset of people is they think they can manage the fishery, and if they put some fish in there that they would like to see in that water, it either provides them an opportunity to catch that fish maybe a little closer to their house, or maybe they think that they could better manage that fishery by adding that species in there. Like I said earlier, it almost always creates problems, yeah. and it usually does not pan out how that person is to do. Navi, go That's ahead. That's exactly what I was going to say. He said everything I was about to say. Yeah. Uh, so when we hear about rotenone treatments having to be done sometimes, sometimes it's by you know no fault of any human that these things occur, but uh, like the chub infestation up at Strawberry that had to be taken care of. But it can lead to that, right? And the cost could be crazy. Yeah, no, it's very true. You know, there's instances where 
you know, we, we see, you know, a situation where a fishery goes downhill because of the legal fish introduction. And, um, you know, we have to row on that fishery. We also see cases um, in parts of the state where a fish gets into a water and we just don't want that fish in that water because it could escape into areas where we got native fishes or endangered fishes. And that requires a rodent treatment. You know, one example is Red Fleet Reservoir. I think eight or ten years ago, we did a rodent treatment because there was walleye in there. We didn't want the walleye escaping into the Green River and impacting the fish in there. Yeah. But yeah, those rodent treatments are extremely expensive, and we don't want to do them. I mean, that's money we can invest into stocking other fish or other management efforts to make fisheries better, but instead we're investing that money into removing fish that shouldn't be in the water. Yeah, that's the other thing. If you're a fisherman, and I totally, uh, I mean, I can't think of another way that uh, (laughs) that fish would have got into Red Fleet Reservoir, a walleye, but uh, that was probably totally a fisherman who loves to fish there, lives close by, thought it'd be fun to be able to catch walleye on a regular basis. Uh, which is uh, not not a great thought. All right, so we always direct people to the website, which is wildlife.utah.gov. There is uh, a phone number you can call, which is 1-800-662-3337. But you've also put a page on your website, so there's a tab there for something called Don't Ditch a Fish. Yeah, and that Don't Ditch a Fish, I mean, it, it really kind of serves two purposes, but it's about educating the public about not taking a sport fish species or a bait fish from one water to another water body, but it also gets a little bit into the aquarium end of things and not taking your, your pet fish, you know, Nemo, like you said, and uh, <laughs> releasing Nemo out to one of our waters. Instead. It should be a felony, Tim. It should raise that. That's very serious. Yeah, when you think about the implications, and again, it's not yeah. just not just that lake or that pond. If there's a stream that flows through it and it happens to get loose in there and then affects another uh, native species, you've got all kinds of problems. Randy, thanks for the work you do day in and day out. We appreciate your time today. Yeah, no, thank you, Tim. That is our uh, sport fish coordinator for the Division of Wildlife Resources, Randy Oplinger. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll go road tripping. Mark Wade will join us next, so stay right there. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. It is time to do a little road trip in here this morning, and you know what that means. I think it's going to be Mark Wade. No, Bob Grove this week is on the road. On the road again. I kind of feel like, Mark Wade, that uh, maybe I should be playing fight songs or something instead of our usual Willie Nelson here. You came up with an idea a couple of days ago that as long as we're on the cusp of football kickoff for uh, 2023-24, that maybe we ought to talk about traveling to home games for Ute fans and BYU fans, right? Rise and shout, Utah man am I. <laughs> People people need to know, and Navi will get a kick out of this. I, maybe people should, maybe they shouldn't see our text exchanges sometimes. Mark and I go back and forth. Uh, he wears blue, I wear red. We just have a lot of fun. But, Navi, that's what this is all about, isn't it? Did you hear Willie Nelson got hit by a truck? Oh, no. Why? No. Singing on the road again. Ah, ha, ha. All right. Yeah, those are old dad jokes right there that usually fall flat, and that one did, too. 
To say old dad jokes is redundant. That's true. Hmm. That's true. Yes, it is. Um, Mark, well, I wear red. You know that. I know that for sure. Uh, yeah. And I've I've seen the underwear. I've seen the swimsuit. <laughs> I've seen the socks. I've seen it all. All right, Mark, you want to start with the U or you want to start with BYU? You decide. Oh, let's start with the U. You know, we talk about people that are coming for a home game experience, and the Utes have got a game coming up on the 31st of August. That's the first home game. Is that right? Yeah, that's a week from today. We're recording on Thursday, by the way. But, yeah, that's a Thursday night game. That's a big game, isn't it? It's It's huge. That's that's the best understatement I've ever heard. Yeah. So, you, so you've got all these people, and they're going to be coming from all over the Intermountain West and all over the country. But as they come into town, they're all wondering, a lot of them, what could I do? What should I see when I come and visit Salt Lake City, right? And yeah. that's some of what we want to talk about. And well, what are some of the things I'd love, love to know what, what comes first and foremost to your guys, to the minds of the two of you? Well, it's always going to be Temple Square. That's the one thing everybody keys in on. Uh, and there are a lot of things around that, obviously, even though the construction continues. There's still a lot to see there. They may want to come see the Delta Center. I don't know. You know what they want, Tim, is food. (laughs) Well, food, too. (laughs) Food's all that matters before a game. I don't know what (laughs) sites I want to go see. It's just I want to eat. Well, I'm with Navi. I think the food is is a big deal for people when they come and travel. And and the tailgating, there'll be food there. And there's some great restaurants in Salt Lake City. But other things that might be going on, Red Butte Gardens maybe having a concert the night before or the night the next night. Delta Center may have an event going on. I'd say, you know, one of the things people can do is just check and see what events are going on. And then we've got some great hikes and easy destinations with the canyons around the area. Uh, I love to get a, get people and take them up on the tram at Snowbird. Well, and, and you, you and, bring that up. I, I actually had Gator fans because uh, I engaged with them, and I'm sure you did too, Navi, on some of the social media a year ago when we went to Gainesville. They've been asking what to do, and if they're staying a couple of days, Snowbird and Oktoberfest is a fantastic idea. For sure. You take them up the tram. They are enthralled with the mountains. And, yes, I don't do social media, but I can't tell you how many Gator fans I met down in Gainesville that I said, come on up, I'll show you the town. There was a lot of them, and they still text me. So we'll see what comes. Yeah. Hold I got, uh, yeah. My son's girlfriend's parents are from – they're coming up. They're from Gainesville. They'll be wearing blue with us at dinner. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Hogel Zoo's right there too, Mark. It is. The, the Natural History Museum is close by. So there's a couple of great things just to do as a kind of an aside while you're there for the game. And then the Park City area is not very far away. and They've got a lot of things going on as well. So that's a good capsule, if you will, of things to do for the Salt Lake area. Let's jump down to Provo and talk about They've got a game coming September 2nd is their first game. Right. Again, Sam Houston. Not as, tough, not as tough as Florida, but that's a good part <laughs> yeah. Well, down in Provo, down in Provo, Bob and I actually uh, just spent a few uh, some time down at Sundance up Provo Canyon, up Bridalvale Falls, and the uh, that whole Provo Canyon area with the river, Provo River. Navi would tell you there's some good fishing if you're into fishing to go up on the Provo. What would you say, Navi? Absolutely, the Provo is ranked 14th best river in the United States. Really? So, yeah, you don't want to miss that. So there you go. Bring so, your fishing. Who yes. would have thought? Bring fishing pole to a ball game some of these museums i am not all that familiar with i'll be honest with you but the uh, is it monte bean and the earth science uh, the, are those on campus those must be on campus 
Yes, they're, they're two really great museums, just like the U's got the Natural History Museum up there. They've got these two museums there. The Earth Science Museum is very much like the Natural History Museum, maybe not as large. And the Monty Bean Museum's got all kinds of displays, traveling displays coming through there that are very interesting. People love that. The Wilkinson Center on BYU campus is a, is a great foodie area and a great, uh, just a great hangout. They've got bowling and other activities there. A lot of people love to just come and hang out on BYU campus when they come for a ball game. And then uh, Thanksgiving Point is not far away. Provo Center Street's got a lot of restaurants for, for Nobby's foodie people. And uh, there's just a lot right there in the Utah Valley area. That's it's a great attraction as well. Well, we shouldn't leave out. And we'll do this maybe next week. Uh, Weber State, Utah State. We'll get to some of those uh, because there's certainly things to do around that. But as we trail out here, I'm going to do this just for uh, Mark today and remind everybody the Cougar Sports well, Saturday. The Cougars are out. <laughs> uh, Cougar Sports Saturday's coming up at noon today. Cougar Nation coming up Monday from 6 to 7 o'clock with Mitch and Matt. On that note, Mr. Cougar fan, I'll let you go. And I will send Nobby his recording contract for his next yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, You're the only one that will offer it to him. I guarantee you that. Uh, we've got to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll have more of KSL Outdoors Radio. Still hoping to make contact with Deer Valley on their big announcement today. So stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.